Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We honor you. We praise you. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you that your love has paved the way to the throne where we can just be in your presence all the time without a sense of self-condemnation, without a sense of guilt, without a sense of unworthiness, that you have made us to be bold and confident in your presence because of what Jesus did. Hallelujah. So, um, as we all know, last week we started our ACE um, teaching, and then it turned into a, a healing thing, so we didn't get through the sermon, so... Um, so we're just going to recap a little bit, but I'm going to tell you this recap is going to be like nothing compared to what was expounded upon last week, okay? But for the people that weren't here, I kind of want to just give a little bit of a recap so that you kind of know what page we're on. Um, so we were talking, we were in Hebrews 1, verses 2 and 3, and we were talking about how Jesus is the beginning the middle, and the end. The beginning, the end, and everything in between. That he is the creator, he is the upholder, and he is the heir. And if he's an heir and you're in Jesus, then you're the heir of the very same things. The word is his power. Remember we talked about that. The word is his power. It is his very life come to pass here on earth. Um, so Hebrews 1, 2, and 3. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. This whole time that we're going to be, uh, we're going to be talking about the fact that he's spoken through the son, whom he appointed heir, that's the end of all things, and through whom he made the universe, that's the beginning, the creator part. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by the word of his power. So the sustaining part is the middle. So you've got the beginning, you've got the middle, and you've got the end. And God's plan and purpose is to have in and through his son Jesus, through whom he has spoken to us, an inheritance that brings forth his glory. So if that was what Jesus was meant to be, what are you meant to be? The same. You are meant to be the very same. And anything that tells you that you are any different is a lie of the devil, trying to keep you out of the glory, trying to keep you out of union with your Father, trying to make you believe that you're not good enough or you're not worthy or whatever, okay, or that you just don't have what it takes. So we learned, you know, because of God intends to do through you everything he did through Jesus, in other words. So we learned in one of the um, translations of this scripture, the American Standard, it says, who being the effulgence the effulgence of his glory and the very image of his substance and upholding all things by the word of his power. And we looked at the word effulgence. So the word effulgence, it means a flood of light. You are a flood of light. It means a great luster. 
You are a great luster. It means brilliance. It means splendor. You are the splendor of the Lord here on this earth. And don't believe anything different than that. Okay? His love has accomplished that. That's what he came to make you. That's what he came to give you. That's what we are filled with. The effulgence of God's glory. So, he shows through because of his plan and purpose in you, because of his love flowing from him to you. He flows through you, and you become that. He helps you. As he's flowing through you, he helps you get rid of, like, fleshly responses on this earth, right? So, what is it that God has spoken to you or that God has put in your heart? I'm not talking about audible words. What is it? that you desire? What is it? What desire has God planted in your heart? You see, he tells us that we, when we commit things to him, that when we commit our ways to him, right, we commit our plans, we, we want to do his will, that he will become the very outshining, we, we become the very outshining of him, the very outshining of his glory. Don't allow that word glory to um, tell you that you don't understand something. It's union with the Father. That's my simple definition. Union with the Father. Jesus came to give us the glory. He said, I have given them the glory that you have given me, John 17, 22. Okay? It's union. So when you come to know Jesus, when you accept him as your Lord and Savior... We worship him, we thank him, and his divine outworking comes forth in our lives to bless us and to bless those around us. And he will make sure that the desires that you have committed to him come to pass in your life. Okay? 1 Corinthians 2.9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us through his spirit. Okay? He's ever talking to you, beloved, through the Holy Spirit. So, as we grow, we, we okay, what is our faith in? Yes, our faith is in Jesus. Don't let anybody tell you that you do not have a fa- a, a, enough faith. Can we grow our faith? Yes, we can grow our faith. But he has given to every person a measure of faith. And our faith is not in what we can do. Our faith is not in us. Our faith is not even in that I'm believing the word of God strong enough. You know, that's that's what got me caught up for years. Is I thought, okay, well, I do believe. But I don't believe the word quite, quite purely enough, quite strongly enough. No, because thinking that way is really works. That's you doing your own works. It isn't faith in that. It is faith in Jesus. It is faith in who Jesus is. It is faith that that his word is true and that he's going to do exactly what he said he would do. That's it. Just faith in Jesus. And so as we have faith in Jesus, we start to understand how trustworthy he really is. We we open up our hearts and we we are able to trust him. And when we understand his trustworthiness, 
that he can be trusted in your life, say, I can trust Jesus. Amen to that. We then, what happens in our hearts? What happens in our inner spirits when we say, I trust Jesus? See, if we don't see it immediately, it gives us patience. It gives us standing power. You know, it gives us the patience to know that he's going to do what he said, and we, we become patient. For, and and, and we, we know his outshining, no matter what it looks like right here, right now, at this present moment, his outshining, his effulgence in our lives is going to come to pass. Okay? So, we talked about, also last week, how Jesus came to purify us, and I cannot... This is one thing that I really, that the Holy Spirit actually really wants you to understand. You are already purified when you believe in Jesus. You cannot get that in your spirit, that seed. I'm planting that seed in every one of you today for you to know that you are purified in Jesus because it's by what he did. You could never work hard enough to be pure, to be purified, to be perfected. He had to do that. He had to come in your very likeness, flesh and blood, Defeat hell, defeat sin, defeat the curse of sin, and give you the spirit of life in Christ. He came as a man listening to the Holy Spirit, and he had to come that way so that you could have his same victory. He had to come like you. Okay? So, he came to purify you. He provided for purification of all our sins, everything we've ever done, everything we could have done, everything we're, we, I'm not going to say that you're going to do, because you all aren't going to listen to the flesh, right? <laughs> you're just going to be Holy Spirit-filled walkers and talkers, okay? But he provided for the purification of our sins, and then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Done. Finished. He doesn't have to keep dying over and over. He went to that cross. He went to hell. He's already looked the devil in the eye and won. Actually, I don't really think he could, the devil could ever look, ever look Jesus in the eye, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So, his earthly work was then perfected in his heavenly work. You see that? Everything that he did on earth, he perfected. It was perfected in his heavenly work. His, his um, earthly work the beginning of his heavenly work, and I'm not talking about before creation and all that, so don't try to catch me up on that, all right? You know what I'm talking about. And so he now sits as your high priest, a loving 
high priest, a merciful high priest, a compassionate high priest. This is who you have, interceding always on your behalf to the Father. So your high priest, your priest king with compassion and mercy for you at the right hand of the Father, his perfect work accomplished in our lives, already accomplished. I, I, I really want you to get this. We become purified, we become perfected in him. And you go, well, Lisa Marie, how can that be? Because I still make mistakes, because you're looking at the wrong spot. You're looking at the wrong thing. When you look at your sin, you're forgetting his blood. You see what I'm saying? The Father sees you through the blood. So, are you going to make mistakes? I, I'm not going to confess anything negative over you, but I'm trying to free you from the prison of thinking that every time there's a sin that occurs, or now, does that mean that we want to go sin? Of course not. We don't preach like grace to allow people to sin. Okay, so don't, don't pretend that I'm saying that. But he has already made the entrance into his throne room possible through the cross. So we go, we lay our, our, our sin. We, sin is important. Acknowledging sin is important. That's the only way that you're going to be able to walk in freedom, you know. So recognizing that sin matters is important, but even more important is, is rec well, not more important, as important, is recognizing that when you go to Jesus and you lay it down, it is forgotten. When you ask for forgiveness, when you repent, when you turn around and walk another way, you are forgiven, okay? So, Anyway, he made the way for your unity with the Father, your perfection in him. And he then enables us through him to do the Father's heart here on earth, here in our lives, okay? That's our whole goal is to do the Father's heart. So Jesus, through his willingness and obedience, willingness and obedience, if you are willing and obey, you will eat right? The best of the land, the goodness of the land, the goodness of God, right? Willing and obedient. So by his willingness and his obedience, he purchased the heavenly glory for you in your life, for those who follow him, for those who draw nigh to him. So our cleansing of sin, which Jesus provided, is the root of all redemption, that's a big statement. His cleansing of our sin is the root of all redemption, and you need to, we need to accept it. We need to quit thinking that we're going to be the measuring stick. Okay? God's, we, we all know that God's presence will not tolerate sin, right? But he has already made the path for you to be redeemed and not to have to live in guilt and shame and unworthiness, right? 
the born-again experience, you receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, is the beginning. It's the beginning of your glory in Jesus. It's your time that you receive that. You see what I'm saying? And then we walk it out. What happens when we receive Jesus? He takes hold of us. Well, he's always cared, right? So, but when I say takes hold, he comes to live inside of us with his life, okay? Am I making that clear? The morning, he comes, he transforms us. He comes to live in us with his life, with his spirit, the Holy Spirit, with his power, the word of his power. That's why we have to renew our minds, okay, to the word, because that is his power for you. So he brings us, by living in us, he brings us into union with himself. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And this is a, this is a physical change, a true transformation. It, it, it brings physical change and it brings spiritual change. Okay? It's both. It's the real deal. It's the real thing, baby. <laughs> Wasn't there some, like, wasn't there some little ditty like for Coca-Cola or something a long time ago that says, it's the real thing, baby? It's the, something like that. It's the real thing, baby. So <laughs> Jesus <laughs> has already provided for your purification. Don't think that's too, too glorious of a word for you. Okay. He has provided for your purification. John 15, 3. I'm going to prove it to you in Scripture. You are already clean. Hallelujah. Hello. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So how many of you are going to actually receive your purification in Jesus? Amen. You say this, I am already clean in Jesus because of the word that he has given me. Not my works. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. John 6, 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give, I will give, I will give. He has given his flesh for you. It says, which I will give for the life of the world. For everyone who hated him, at some point you did not know him. He had already given his flesh for your life. For his life in you. You have received the very life of God into your flesh and spirit because he came as flesh and gave his flesh. 
And this is our perfection in Christ. It is our redemption into his finished work. His finished work. His finished work. Not your work. His finished work and his glory. You are a glory carrier. We receive that when we receive Jesus. So, when this cleansing occurred is when Jesus sat down at that, you know, crucified, defeated the devil, went to heaven, sat down, it's done, sat down at the right hand of the Father, he made you an heir to every spiritual blessing in him. All the blessing that God wanted to pour out, every single promise right here, if you can find it, it's yours. You find it in here, and I would advise you to do that. <laughs> Man, you know, the scripture that just like keeps like pouring over in my heart for weeks now. And everybody misquotes it. They say, allow a steadfast spirit that he will make a steadfast spirit arise in you. Oh, that's good. Isn't that good? But if you go back, it says he will make his spirit. It says make your spirit arise in me. Make your spirit arise in me. Do you know that you have the very spirit of God arising in you? Your spirit. Is there something? Is there something in your life that you feel that is like undefeatable? That you just, these habits that, that you know, at, you just, without thinking sometimes, that you give into? That are fleshly. I'm talking about fleshly habits that aren't, aren't good. That isn't the love of God coming out. When you are tempted... When you are tempted to give in to that fleshly response, you say, no, you stop. Stop. And you say, no. Your spirit, O Lord, is rising up within me. Your spirit, O Lord, is steadfast within me. Your spirit, O Lord, is right within me. I draw nigh to you at this very moment and your spirit rises up in me. And I respond the way you respond. I hear your voice and the voice of another I will not follow. That's a promise you're given. So any, anything, this is practical help for you guys. Because the Spirit of God in you is stronger than any other spirit. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Okay? 
All right. So, his cleansing, after, after, his pure, after he purified us by what he did, by his obedience, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Why do you think, ugh, I'm not even like on my message today, but anyway, why do you think, just stop and think about this, why do you think in Acts, it says, tarry until you receive the Holy Spirit, okay? Right? Had Jesus ascended yet? Correct. He knew what they needed. So he said, tarry until you receive it. Well, you, you're, you're in a blessed life. You get to receive the Holy Spirit when you believe again, right? But he said that for a reason. Because that's the very Spirit of God coming and dwelling within us. And it gives us strength and power. Not by might, not by power, but by your Spirit, says the Lord in Zechariah. Okay? All right. So, Jesus entered. I better get going. Jesus entered into heaven to secure the outpouring of his living glory in your life. And he now sits as priest king. He's opened up unto every single believer. Don't say you're not enough of a believer when you believe in Jesus. He's opened up to every single believer access to life in the holy of holies. He has secured his presence. He has secured he has secured his presence in your life when we receive him as Lord and Savior. So, how did he do this? He tore the veil. Okay, we're going to look at what the veil is. He tore the veil, because we can all walk around and say that, but you ha- we need to have revelation, knowledge in our hearts of what that is. He tore the veil, his blood poured out to give us mercy, every compassion of God, and every goodness of God. He tore the veil, his flesh. His mercies for you are new every morning. Lamentations 3, 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Let me tell you how the Holy Spirit works in this church, okay? Nobody knows what I'm preaching. I don't tell anybody what I'm preaching. I don't tell the band, the worship team, what I'm preaching. So that very scripture was quoted this morning. Do you think the Lord is trying to tell you something? That very scripture was quoted by one of the worship team members. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. His compassion for you will never change. It will never fail. They are new every morning, Great is your faithfulness, O God, unto us. Great is his faithfulness unto you. Thank you, Jesus. Christ, because of what he has done, has now deposited in us, has given us the freedom, the boldness, the invitation to live our daily lives in the throne room of God, his supernatural glory, his supernatural provision, his supernatural presence, the all of God. That is not too big of a gospel. It has been given to you. (laughs) Rain it back, Lisa Marie. (laughs) Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> to truly understand, truly to understand his rhema by rhema by rhema, heart, 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 understanding. Jesus, now sitting at the right hand of God, interceding for us, ensuring our fellowship with him is our victory in every circumstance of life. When that temptation comes, or whatever it is, when that regret comes, when that obsession comes, when that whatever tries to whisper in your ear, you say, no, I have the victory in Jesus because I have a mighty high priest sitting at the right hand of the Father who has already stopped you in your tracks, devil, because I am not listening. I have a a mind renewed by the word. I believe the word because Jesus is the word. And this is what it says. So if you want to get me going, come and ask me about generational curses sometimes. Way too much preached on that. Did the blood take care of it? Or did the blood not? I'm sorry. I'm free from every generational curse. Don't you even come with your muddy mouth and tell me that I have some generational curse in my life. I'm submitted to Jesus. All you got to do is be submitted to Jesus. The blood did it or the blood didn't do it. Now, have we been in families where we have maybe learned certain habits? That is not a generational curse, and I can prove it all to you in the Bible. Just because there's a habit that, you, that a person sometimes does does not mean you're possessed. It does not mean you're under a generational curse. It means you have a behavior that the blood can change because he's given you a new nature by his spirit rising up within you that will change every bad habit that you ever thought of having. There is nothing that his nature in you, your mind renewed to the word, standing on the word. Why does it say when you've done all else, stand on the word, the rock, the foundation? A bad habit does not mean you need deliverance. It means you need a renewed mind. Now, are there possessions. Okay, I'm not talking about that today. But do you have the Spirit of God in you? Okay. So, that's Jesus. Do you think Jesus was ever possessed? Okay, I've gone too far, haven't I, for you? I can see it. I can see it. (laughs) That's okay. Come talk to me in private, and you'll realize you're wrong. (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, I'm 
being sassy. <laughs> Sorry. Where was I? Uh, I was talking about the veil. Okay. So, when we truly understand what he has done, we accept that victory, and, and, and we don't allow the words of the devil to change our heart. We stand firm in the faith, know that Jesus is trustworthy, that his word is true, and we patiently, we wait for him. Well, we're, we don't wait for him. He, you know, he's already done it, but you know what I'm saying, for, to see that in our lives, okay? So his death is the tearing of the veil. The veil, it was the separation of the holy of holies, okay? It was the separation between the earthly dwelling of God, the holy of holies, in the temple, and the rest of the temple where, where man did their thing, okay? The veil signified that humankind was separated from God by sin. That's what the veil signified, okay? There was no eternal cure at that point, okay? There was no eternal cure demonstrated here on earth, okay? Of course, God knew what he was going to do. But here on earth, there was no eternal cure until Jesus did what he did, okay? He had to do what he did. Isaiah 59, 1 through 2. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. That should be a refreshing sigh of relief in every one of your hearts. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. This is in the Old Testament before Jesus did what he did on earth, okay? So don't get fearful here. Because this was, okay, once a year, the high priest could go behind the veil with very strict precautions, very strict rules to enter into God's very presence with blood, always with blood, behind the veil, the Holy of Holies, always with blood to atone for the people's sin. But it just covered them over. Okay? I mean, I can't even imagine living in the days of the Old Testament. Because of the person I am, like I never wanted to get in trouble. I never wanted my teachers to, you know, disapprove of me. You know, I, I, just, I, just, I, I just didn't want to get in trouble. I remember one day, I'd been sick for a long time. I went back to class, and they were taking a test, and I had to take the test, and I just like burst into tears because I thought, how can I do this? How can I do this? How can I do this? And I was chewing gum to make ma matters even worse, which I had forgotten. We had this beautiful Argentinian teacher who I just thought was the absolute most gorgeous thing in the whole world. And she came up to me, and she made me leave go to the principal's office. I think the only time I ever went to the principal's office in my life because I was chewing gum. Oh, what a long way we've come in schools these days. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that was like, like horrifying to me. Oh, anyway, not to say that I was an angel. I just got away with it when people weren't looking. <laughs> I just don't want you to think I'm saying that I'm, you know, any great thing. Okay, so, but anyway, the veil. Let's get back to the veil. 
So the veil signified that there was no personal relationship with God, right? No personal relationship with God. Only the priest had that. Only the priest could intercede for you. So one could not address God, one could not address God directly to repent. That's what the, the blood of the goats and, and bulls and all that stuff was for. But we can today. We have a better covenant, and we need to understand our covenant. We need to understand that we have an open flow there is an open flow. When you believe in Jesus, there is an open flow between you and the Lord. Okay? It's, it's your inheritance. It's his heart for you, this open flow. Thank you, God, that we can trust you, that we can just come to you with the things that we've done wrong, that we can repent, and that we can be forgiven. So Hebrews 9 Verses 1 through 10. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up in its first room where the lampstand, the table, and the consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered ark of the covenant. This ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests, the priests entered regular, regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit, listen, listen. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. This is an illustration for the present time indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience. Do you see why the Lord in his blood wants your conscience to be clear. This is so important. We're not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. Okay? There was still a sin consciousness. Oh, that's what I was going to say earlier. Like, I'm so glad I didn't live in the Old Testament because 
from the moment that blood got offered, from the next day for a whole year, I would be like, what, what have I done? Well, you know, uh, I, can't, I can't be clear. My conscience can't. Be, you see what I'm saying? But see, Jesus allowed for this. Jesus gave us this gift that our consciences can be clear. You know, we don't have to walk around every time there's a sin and think, oh, i got to wait another year. I can't even talk to my father. You can talk to your father. He loves you. So, Jesus exonerated you of all shame. Jesus has exonerated you of guilt. Jesus has exonerated you of unworthiness. Will you exonerate yourself because of what he did? Will you accept that? Thank you for that yes. That's what we all should have said. Yes. You can live shame-free. You can live shame-free. Exodus 26, 33. Oh, I didn't finish. They are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. What's the new order? Jesus. Jesus' ministry. It is the new order. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Exodus 26, 33. Hang the curtain from the class and place the ark of the testimony behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. Another translation. The veil shall serve for you as a partition between the holy place and the holy of holies. When Jesus died, he tore the veil. It was torn asunder by his death, and he gave you entrance into the holy of holies. No more sin consciousness. No more guilt for sin. He has exonerated you from the shame and the curse of sin and death. He has exonerated you. Are you going to take it? If you truly feel exonerated, you will live in so much freedom and so much peace and so much joy. The only thing that keeps you from the peace and the joy of God is that you have not exonerated yourself and you are making the word of God of no effect in your life. There's not a single person in this room who hasn't done something awful in their life. But I, for one, am like Paul, who says, I have wronged no man because I've taken it to the cross. And if you've taken it to the cross, you have wronged no man. And don't allow the devil to come back and hound you over the head and slash you across the back. and tell you that you're a wretch. Because though you once were, you are no more. 
I am not afraid to admit that I was a wretch at one time in my life. But that's not who I am anymore. Jesus transformed me, and I will be just as bold about the good that he has done in my life. Because through the blood, he already forgot that part. So the born-again experience is your holy place. The born-again experience is your holy place. The born-again experience is your holy place. When we receive and understand by revelation from the Holy Spirit the fullness of Christ, which, go read the scriptures, that you walk in the fullness of Christ, we realize that we have entrance into the Holy of Holies. The Holy Spirit, whom Jesus sent, who dwells in you now, comforts you and teaches you, reveals to us our true destiny in Christ, the goodness of God, the purchase that he made for us and what it means. In Jesus' obedience unto death, shedding of Jesus' blood that purchased our cleansing from sin, of sin, the sprinkling of his blood in heaven that gave us God's mercy, gave us God's mercy, the sprinkling of his blood on our hearts, the sprinkling of his blood on our hearts, it gives us his power, it gives us his results, it gives us his very nature, his power, his outshining, his glory, his effulgence, his splendor, his brilliance shining through us because of what he did. Own who you are. The cleansing by his blood, the sprinkling with his blood, brings us his power, his demonstration in our earthly lives when we understand what he did. It allows us to walk in the ascended life that he has intended for us, partakers of the glory and divine destiny. Hebrews 9.11. When, when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not a part of his creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all. And you can take that two ways, once forever and once for everybody. Once for all, by his own blood, 
having obtained eternal redemption, the blood of goats and bulls, and the ashes of 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 a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonial, unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more? Pay attention to every word. How much more? How much more then? Will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences? Consciences. You see that? It's in the word. It's not some person talking positive thinking. It's God's thought about you. Cleanse our consciousness, consciences from acts that lead to death. The cleansing of the guilt, the cleansing of the shame, the cleansing of the condemnation. That's, those are my words. So that we may serve the living God in freedom, in truth, in spirit. Those are my words. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from sin. Committed under the first covenant. Hallelujah. Dancing in fields of grace. And they didn't even know what I was talking about today. Dancing in fields of grace. I am going to dance in fields of grace. What's that other song? <laughs> What's that song? Okay, Emma, or somebody, maybe you might know it. What's that song um, about? Sorry if my praise gets too loud. Do you know that one? What? It might get loud. It might get loud. Yeah. It might get loud. It might get loud. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if my words aren't perfect. I'm sorry about, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm really, really not. I'm really, really not. I'm really, really not. I am not afraid if my worship gets too loud. I am not afraid if someone looks at me and thinks I'm off my rocker. I don't care if somebody looks at me and they think I'm angry. Then you got a problem because I am not angry. I am in love with the Lord. And I am going to shout and I am going to scream what the Lord tells me to shout and scream. Gosh, I wish we could hear that song right now. Did someone say they can do it? Sure we can do it. Good, I want to hear that song. Because I'm sorry if my praise gets too loud. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Every believer walking out of there, out of this room, every believer walking on the streets out there ought to be so fired up with the Holy Ghost.
love and joy of the Lord, you walk up to people and you touch them and the joy slams them. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself to appear for us in God's presence. He appeared for you in God's presence. Then Christ, then Christ, then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared. Once for all, at the end of the ages, to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once to take away the sins of many people. No, (laughs) I skipped lines. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once. to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time. He will appear a second time. He will appear a second time. He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Hallelujah. Hebrews 10.10, and by that will, God's will, we have been made holy. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. What did the breaking, the the tearing of the veil do for you? As our high priest, Jesus ministers to keep us in fellowship with him. to cover us with his grace and mercy and compassion, his blessing, his glory, his effulgence, his outshining, his splendor, his luster, so that we can experience his full redemption. Truly experience. I'm not talking about head knowledge. I am talking about experiential life. The life of Christ. Jesus fully living his life and love through us. We must press into Jesus. We must press into his living way. As we sacrifice and turn away from the fleshly pullings of this earth, We gain the glory of heaven, and I would say that that is a trade-off I am willing to make. Now, does that mean you have to be perfect? No. He already purchased that for you. You get that? Do you get that? It does not mean that you can't have fun, even. He wants you to have fun. You know, everybody, nobody likes a Christian that never wants to have fun because they think they're too holy. Go have fun. 
Just don't entangle yourself in the flesh. Go have fun and be the splendor of God to others in that fun. And if it turns and they start doing stuff that's fleshly, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world, and set the example. Because your example will bring life. Your example will bring life to that person. So, we separate ourselves from the, 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 the sin responses, but we don't separate ourselves from the world. Face it, y'all have to walk in a secular world. It's just, it, it, he, he wants you to do that so that you can bring life, right? Jesus sat with sinners, right? That did not make him a sinner, The joy of the Lord is our strength. He ate with sinners. Let me tell you something, beloved. Probably get a lot of, you know, get letters on this one. (laughs) A sinner is not someone who sins. It's not. How many of you walk sin-free any given day? Any given day. Never. Does, if you have received Jesus, does that make you a sinner? No. A sinner is not a person who sins. A sinner is someone who has not received Jesus. None of us can ever live a sin-free life. You got mercy, give mercy. You got love, give love. You got compassion, give compassion. So it doesn't mean that we're going to live sin-free. It means that we're going to understand the one who was perfect and bought our salvation and our redemption for us. A gift he has freely given us. It is not something that we do by our own works. So when greed or jealousy or anger or obsessiveness or whatever come knocking at your door, you say, no, you repent. If if you fall into that for a moment's time, and, I, and I'm not saying you're going to. I'm not confessing that over you. But when that happens, you just run to the cross. Don't run away. You run to the cross. You lay it down. I repent and help me change. Your spirit rising up within me is going to draw me nigh unto you. And that habit is going to change in my life. Lord, you will the greater one working in me, help me resist the devil, and the devil will flee from me. So when we become aware of a sin in our lives, we just repent and we change. We lay it down at the cross. We hate sin in our lives as much as Jesus did. But remember, he never hated a person. 
And that includes yourself. Quit hating on yourselves. You make the word of God of no effect when you do that because it means you're not receiving his redemption, his salvation, his purification, his perfection, his cleansing. He has given us confidence to enter in. He has given us confidence to know that we can talk to him about anything. You can talk to your father about anything. He will never hate on you. He will love you through to victory. He will love you through to victory. He will love you through to victory. I know. This is what we do. We go, I know that the blood of Jesus, that he honors that blood in my life. I know he honors that blood in my life. over sin, and that I'm truly cleansed. I receive the rhema, the rhema outshining, rhema understanding, understanding that I am cleansed into the purification so that I can live in the holy of holies. I become bold to know that though I am flawed and though I imperfectly respond in situations that he is present in my life. He is for me and not against me. His spirit rising up within me changes that situation, bringing his plan, his perfect plan to fruition in my life. Don't ever think that because of the mistakes that you have, making, that you have made that his plan cannot be outworked in your life. Thank you, Lord. So that's what I felt. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's so much more to do. I was going to talk to you about first fruits. We're going to do a first fruits offering. Not now, not today. Please, please read this because I, I don't have time to do all this in one day and I'll probably never get to it, even though I want to. Please read it. It's an important part of your walk. Um, but anyway... I really, really, really want to hear this, and then we're going to do tithes, uh, offerings, uh, and communion, because we have got to be the lions of the tribe of 